tuned into the Recovery Innovators Radio Show, your access to today's best addiction recovery ideas, tools, and experts. Listen in and you will learn what is and what isn't working today. We want you, your loved ones, and anyone you know who needs a helping hand to find success in recovery and live the life they deserve. And now, here's your host, James Healy. Hey everyone, this is James and welcome to the show. This is episode number 14. Now I'm here to help you turn your addiction recovery challenges into successes and freedom from everything that's keeping you from living the life you deserve. I check in with innovative addiction recovery experts and we get to hear directly from them what is working today for addicts in recovery for their families, and for their friends, and maybe we can help provide some industry insight for other experts too. Let's not waste any time, and we're going to go straight on to that interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Recovery Innovators Radio. Now, I saw recently in a, an, an America magazine, uh, the United States has 5% of the world's population but nearly 25% of the world's prisoners. And in 1974, 100 out of every 100,000 citizens in this country were in prison, and today there are over 700 people in prison or jail for every 100,000 Americans. And in the Washington Washington Post, they reported that of the more than 2.3 million people in American prisons and jails, more than 65% meet medical criteria for substance abuse addiction. And when you combine this with those who have histories of substance abuse, were under the influence when they committed a crime, committed it to get drug money, or were incarcerated for a drug or alcohol violation, the percentage rises to 85%. Now, my guest today has, for the past 28 years, helped co-create one of the most exceptional approaches to addiction treatment and criminal rehabilitation and reintegration in the world. Spiritual leader, author, senior senior rabbi, CEO, ex-con, recovering alcoholic, and overall anomaly, he is able to reach both the addict and the congregant and destigmatize this life-threatening disease. He has written the book, Finding Recovery and Yourself in Torah, A Daily Spiritual Path to Wholeness. Rabbi Mark Borowitz, welcome to the Recovery Innovators Radio Show. Thank you, James. I'm so honored to be a part of this. Thanks. I'm really I'm so happy to have you here. This is really cool. Now, these high incarceration rates related to drug or alcohol use and abuse, um, you know, revolving around all of that, this isn't really a recent trend, is it? It's a, is it an upward trend or is it just something that's been built into our culture? Well... You see, even even the statistics are are a little bit misleading mm-hmm. because we see addiction as the disease, a disease of the body, a disease of the mind, and a disease of the soul. So we we uh, um, at our center, Beit Teshuva, we help people who have gambling addictions, food addictions. Uh, um, sex addictions, the um, addiction, what we call addiction to low-grade misery, where 
you know, it's just why bother the failure to launch. Mm -hmm. And when you add gambling um, into the mix of people incarcerated, I think you would find that the um, the the, race uh, would um, go up even more. (laughs) Right. And it's always when I was in prison in in the 1980s. A preponderance of people were there because of some type of addiction. Now, I don't know the exact percentage. I know that the number thrown around was about um, about the same 65 to 80 percent. Mm-hmm. What, what we have here is we have a failure of our system, of the American system. And the failure is that we are making criminals out of people who are in great emotional, spiritual, mental distress. And rather than seeing the human being, we're only seeing the crime. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, uh, I'm sure you've had this in your own life and you see it. Uh, We see it in the newspapers and everything uh, all the time. Tough on crime, tough on crime, tough on crime. This person did this, therefore they're no good. Right. We're all good people. Most of us don't know it. Most of us buy the bad press and in the uh, um, the lies of the media and and the sensationalism. And the other piece here is that if politicians and normal citizens can blame somebody else. Can call if I can call you bad, if I can make you into a bad person, then I feel good about myself. Mm, right. So that's also an addiction when you think about it. It's an addiction to mendacity, to deception, mm-hmm. self-deception, and deception of others. And and so what we're doing is we're locking people up. And I've said this for thirty years now. I acted like an animal to go to prison. Mm-hmm. Okay. In fact, I wasn't even as good as an animal. I, I acted in very, very inhuman ways. Uh, my, my crimes were, were money crimes were quote unquote white collar crimes, but we're doing this. And, and what happens is, is that then you lock me up. You let me out uh, um, three times a day to feed me. But you're not training me. You're not giving me any any kind of counseling. You're not helping me really see um, another way out. And then one day you open up the gate and you say, go ahead, go out and be a good boy. (laughs) Well, how can I be anything but what I was? I've had no intervention. Mm -hmm. In the court systems, people are being put away for possession of drugs. Put in county jails, state prisons, whatever. If they're possessing drugs, then they're in trouble. And nobody gets up, nobody nobody decides at age two, three, four, five. My goal in life is to be a drug addict, an alcoholic, a compulsive gambler, a no good person. It doesn't happen right. that way. So we can un we can help people unlearn old ways and relearn new ways. That's what we do at our center. It's a it's a residential center. And when you do that, People and you connect to people as human beings, the recidivism rate goes down, the addiction rate goes down, 
uh, um, people, instead of being part of the problem, become part of the solution. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, you're doing this as part of the solution. Right. I don't know what your history right. is. Well, I'm in long-term recovery myself. and Okay, so before you were in long-term recovery, you were before you got into recovery, you were the part of the problem, just yeah, like I was. Yeah, I was causing trouble, definitely. So, so the real challenge is for us to now help people become part of the solution. But we're not doing it when all we do is see drugs bad. You're... If you use drugs, if you're a drunk, if you're a compulsive gambler, if you're a sex addict, if you're uh, um, a workaholic, if you're this or you're that, you're bad. Right. This label that we put on people is so bad because then we don't see the human being. Yeah, and then people don't seek help when they need it either because, you know, they feel like they're bad. They're admitting to that. So, it... Right. I'm, I'm, I mean, we've had it where people have walked into emergency rooms saying, I need to detox. The emergency room says that's not a medical issue. Leave. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine? Yeah. They they send you on your way and you're just going to end right. up in a similar situation shortly. Right. So so where I mean there are there, there's some groundbreaking things going on. There's more drug courts going yeah. on. There's police who are taking people who are loaded to uh, recovery places, mm -hmm. to shelters. I mean, it's it's starting to change. But again, even with what we're doing uh, um, on a national level, the only crisis that there is is an opioid crisis. Mm -hmm. Well, guess what? There's more than opioids. Yeah, that that's the one that makes the mm -hmm. headlines right now. Right, because white people, middle class white people, have been dying from overdoses. Yeah. yeah. So even in what we're doing, there's there's a tinge of racism, there's a tinge of prejudice. Oh yeah, definitely, and that I mean that's the the stigma we talk about, which we're trying to reduce, and I know you're trying to do that in a bunch of different ways with your center and the book you wrote and and helping. You know, I can't imagine how difficult it is to come out of prison, like you say, with no, no training and no intervention. And then you, it's so easy probably to just get right back on that addiction path. I mean, you're going to hook up with the same people, the same situations. And when you're surrounded by people like that, you're not really finding help. No, you're going so. so. You know, the joke in California was the gate money, the money coming out of prison was uh, $200. You got 100 uh, when you left prison and 100 when you went to see the parole officer. Right. So if you're if you're all the way, if you live down south in Southern California and they put you in prison all the way up north, the $100 is almost enough to get you a bus ticket to L.A., and where are you going to go with a hundred with with twenty or thirty dollars left? You're going to go back to the old neighborhood. Yep. You go back to the old neighborhood. You're going to hang out with the old people. Yeah. Where's Where's the intervention? No, there's no there's no real help to create a new path. You're You're stuck on right. that old one, and it's a cycle that goes around and around, and it fuels the stigma as well. Right, and our politicians want to just be tough on crime, and guess what? Their tough on crime has only led to more.
All right, we're gonna take a quick one minute break here, and uh, I'm gonna just tell you a little bit about our sponsor for today's show, which is the Addictions Academy. The, the Addictions Academy is the nation's leading accredited addiction treatment services and sober coaching intervention training academy and uh, if you are looking to get into the addiction recovery field maybe as a sober or recovery coach or if you're looking to up your game and boost your skills for your current practice uh, you can get some new training there they have some amazing faculty and staff with decades of experience and they have some great comprehensive coursework that's going to really give you those tools and resources that you need to, to really take your, your practice to the next level. So give them a call, 800-706-0318, or check them out at theaddictionsacademy.com. Again, that's theaddictionsacademy.com. And now back to our show. So you work with all kinds of different people, right? Not just um, at your center. You're working with uh, anyone who wants to come for help, not just uh, ex-prisoners or, or people. Right. No, no. It actually, um, are, are the people coming out of jail or prison or instead of being here for jail and prison are only about a third of the population okay. here anymore. We have, 100, we have 135 people oh, wow. here in residence all the time. And... Um, we're, we're we're helping everybody. We're doing a lot of this before they go to jail or prison. And and hopefully um, we're helping people learn. We're, not hopefully, we are. Um, we have it documented. We're helping people learn how to live well mm-hmm. without any um, mind-altering chemicals and mind-altering and, and mind um, behaviors. Well, without any process. Without any without any behavior or or substance um, um, abuse abuses, sure. so we help them learn that that the first thing is we're all good enough. Yeah, we we all have a spark of the divine, and it doesn't matter what religion you are. And if if you're Buddhist, um, then then what happens is is that so it's the higher self. It doesn't really matter to me what it is. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, so, so it's 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 just us not buying into the lies that a leopard doesn't change its spots. Right. Because the one, the one thing that always is 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 change. Change is the only constant that is. Yeah. Well, and people are very resistant to change. It scares them. Yeah, very comfortable and and what what you were doing before, even if you know it wasn't the right thing for you physically or mentally or or whatever. So it's pretty much right. But you see, nobody knows that they can change. Right. We've been told that we're stuck. Right. Well, and if we repeat it over and over again, we kind of drill that into ourselves sometimes, too. You know, kind of, kind yeah. of this, if you're repeating that I'm a loser, I'm an alcoholic or whatever it is, then that's what you're going to envision for yourself. So it's hard to get right. out of that. Now, how did you get on onto your path of helping people? I mean, you, you say you were in prison. 
for some crimes back in the 80s and then you came out and you're like i'm gonna start the center or did you just no the center was already oh, started was, okay in prison i uh, before i when i was arrested i had a um a, a spiritual awakening i had this experience i called my first wife and i said i have some money on me come pick me up i was arrested on a fluke um and the detective who arrested me, Detective Jim Bashira, he, he saved my life. But I was talking to my first wife, and she was going to call bail bondsman. Said, I said, don't call anybody. The man upstairs is trying to tell me something, and I have to sit here till I can figure it out. Hmm. This December, that will be 30 years wow. ago. This day, I don't know where those words came from. It was an ecstatic experience. Hmm. It was God talking through me. And this time, what I did was I followed it up. My brother's been a rabbi for 40-some years, and, and I called him and I said, send me a, um, a Torah, the first five books of Moses, and a prayer book. And I started to read, and I started to read the Bible. And I realized, and I had read something from Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel that said I had to immerse myself in the Bible. I couldn't just be away from it. And so I put myself into the text. And when I read the third chapter of Genesis, mm -hmm. well, first of all, when I, when, I, when I read in the second chapter, it's not good for man to be alone. I realized how lonely I was. Yeah, we tend to do that in addiction. Is isolate. Right. And even if you think you're around people or friends, it's not the relationships are not that deep. They're yeah, not real. They're not real. And so then in the third chapter where God says uh, in Hebrew, Ayeka, where are you? And the man was hiding. I broke down and cried. I was sobbing in my prison cell because I thought how many times God's called to me and I ignored it. I was hiding. And I made a, a decision not to hide anymore. And about a month or two, uh, about three months after this, I got a letter from my daughter who was six and a half at the time. And the letter said, Dear Daddy, I hate you. You're a part of me, and when you're in prison, a part of me is in prison. I didn't do anything to be in prison. Love, Heather. Ouch. And I cried again. And I said, I just can't do this anymore. So I started to study with the, the rabbi and, and in the prison. You mm -hmm. know, the, the, that particular prison had an outside rabbi, a paid employee. And I learned how to live well again. I learned about the Jewish process of chuba, which is basically steps four through ten. Okay. And how to look at myself. And I've done that every year since then. Uh, since 1987, I'm on my... 29th year of looking at me hmm. and, and this year I've realized that as as honest and as um, as much as I look at myself every day I realize how much self-deception I'm still in and how often I buy the deception of others because uh -huh. um, living a life in truth is very hard and yet that to me is what recovery is about is constantly seeking different layers, peeling away the layers of, you know, the onion skin yeah. and, 
and getting to more and more truth about myself, about you, about life, and about how to live. Yeah, being tr truly aware. I, I totally agree. Like uh, awareness of yourself and uh, of the moment, you know, living in the present and that sort of thing is is one thing I think it's scary for people and they use drugs or alcohol or, or behaviors to escape that they don't, they don't like what they see. And instead of going for the change, which can be very challenging and stressful and scary, they just, they, you know, escape. But you see, you see James, it's because they don't believe the change is possible. Right. How many times have you heard a, 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 um, an alcoholic or drug addict say, well, you know, I'm an alcoholic, that's what we do. Right. <laughs> but it's not. Right. Because, he, he, my, he, so, you know, I get pro I have problems with everything, including myself. <laughs> Judaism, Catholicism, Buddhism, 12 steps, everything. Here's the truth. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. And I, I'm an alcoholic in recovery with a pure soul. I learned this from Rabbi Abraham Tversky. Um, who's done marvelous things for the Jewish people on, on accepting uh, recovery, uh, that, that we are alcoholics, and you know, because the myth was Jews don't drink, mm -hmm. but, or Jews aren't drunks, mm -hmm. you know. So he has really crushed that, you know, shattered that myth. And, and, but when I say to you, I'm an alcoholic in recovery, I'm telling myself and you the whole story. Just an alcoholic has, conjures up that I'm still drinking or I'm labeled. Right. I can't label myself. Okay. And and in the sense that I, I don't have defects of character. I have character traits that are out of proper measure that I don't use well. But my traits aren't defective. The way I use them. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's is is out of proper measure. They're not, I don't use them well or, or correctly all the times, but I don't want to consider myself defective. I'm not defective. I'm human. Right. And none of us will be no perfect. perfect. Yeah, exactly. Perfection is not my goal. My goal is to grow one grain of sand each day in being more decent, more aware, more truthful, more alive, and more connected. You know, have you read Johan Hari's uh, uh, book, Chasing the I Stream? I have, yeah. I have. So he says the opposite of addiction is connection. Yep. And that's what it is. Yeah. Why is Alcoholics Anonymous so so successful, no matter what these scientists say, this bunk science, bullshit science, if I can sure. say that? Um, it. Alcoholics Anonymous is so successful because it's a community of people who say, ah, you belong. Yep. I don't have to fit in to be an alcohol to, to be a member of Alcoholics Anonymous. I don't have to fit in to be a member of the Bay Chuba community. I even say I don't have to fit in to be a person of faith. I have to belong. And if you don't want me in your club, too bad for right. you. That's your deal. It's not mine. I'm not defective because you don't want me in your club. And we've we've bought into that line. Yeah. Do you know what I'm yep. saying? No, I totally agree. And we have to we have to stop buying into these lies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I'm kind of passionate about this. <laughs> I can, can tell. tell. 
I agree. When I read that book, it so much became clear of, of why uh, going to an AA meeting worked really well for me. Or living, you know, I lived in a sober home for quite a while and just living with those guys. It was like you were, you you felt like you belonged and you, there was no stress then anymore and you could be yourself and say the things you needed to say and they accepted it or not. And if they didn't, it, there was no, no skin off your back. That was their deal. And, um, right. It helped me move, move forward and, and become better every day. So, yeah. That, right. So my wife, my wife, Harriet Rosetto, who, who, uh, um, is a licensed clinical social worker, my second wife who started Beit Shuva before I was around, before we were together, says, that you're either in recovery or you're in denial. <laughs> because all of us have to be in recovery from the human condition of separation, of disconnection, of feeling uh, um, not right, not good enough. Yeah. Yeah, and we hear that f- from early on. As as kids, right. we were st- we, that gets drilled into us all the time in different ways. And right. And we start believing it over time. Right. Why can't you be more like? Right. Even, even the hero worshiper, idol worshiper, whatever you want to call it, okay? I mean, when I was growing up, I'm going to be 65 in, in a couple of weeks. And when I was growing up, my heroes were were um, um, Bobby Kennedy, John Kennedy, my father, uh, my grandparents. Y- you know, I mean, people of, of of good faith, people of good will. Mm-hmm. And so, I wanted to be like. I didn't want to be them. I wanted to be like mm-hmm. somewhere along the line. After my father died, I decided to be to be somebody. I wanted the money. I wanted the prestige. I wanted the, you know, whatever, whatever money brought. And at the same time, I wanted the escape from the psychic pain I felt. So those two things coming together and hearing about, well, how come you're not, you know, why, why didn't you get as good a grade as Johnny or Joey, or how come you're not more like uh, Becky or Sue? Mm -hmm. It always, it, it, it told me that there was something wrong with me. And we do this all the time. And, and today, you know, you have celebrities who've done nothing. Uh, I mean, look at the people that, 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 that are in the news. Right. Okay, with all due respect to the, to the Kardashian family, they became celebrities by being celebrities. Yeah, exactly. And then we treat them like royalty. Exactly. And that people aspire to be like that, and it's, but right. be like what? <laughs> right. So here's the deal, okay? You take some. You take something like you two, okay? Uh, uh, Bono from you mm-hmm. two. He's a tremendous talent. Can I be that talented? Right. No, I couldn't. I can't do what he does. So what's he do with his talent? He's put it all into AIDS and in and, and finding cures for AIDS and, and treating. Telling everybody we have to treat people as human beings we can't outcast. Mm-hmm. That's something I can emulate. Yeah. 
but those aren't our heroes anymore. No. And so, so, so if I compare myself to, to um, and, and, and I don't even have to compare myself to anybody. See, one of the things I learned is you do this, this uh, um, Recovery Innovators mm-hmm. Radio, and it's a tremendous thing. Okay, it's a gift. It's, it's a service. It's, it's um, beautiful and wonderful. Well, thank you. I don't do that. You put, yeah, okay. but you, I do. I do what yeah, I do. You're doing something. So, so if you, if you, if I support you and say yes, James, keep doing it. It's great. It's wonderful. And I know that what I'm doing is great and wonderful. Then we're collaborating. We're not competing, and we're not comparing. Yet look even in the recovery world, okay, in the treatment world, how often everybody's trying to compare themselves to somebody else to be the mm-hmm. best. I'm not the best. <laughs> I'm the best at what I do. My center here, we, we help people integrate through spirituality, 12 steps, and, and psychotherapy. And a lot of other um, treatment modalities, trauma, body, mind, music in recovery, the creative arts, uh, um, surf therapy. We have all these different things. We treat each person as an individual. So everybody has a little bit of a different program. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's okay. what works. So we do that. It works. Not for everybody. No. I don't have 100% success. No. I could make the numbers out to be 100% success. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you could do anything with stats. But I'm not comparing myself to, to any other treatment center because I'm not them. They're not me. But we have even in even in the treatment world, even with all of us who are dedicated to recovery, we fall into that self-deception. We fall into that trap of comparing and competing. There's enough people that need our help. We don't have to compete no. and compare. No. And, you know, you have to focus on the people who do find you know success if you look at a hospital they're going to always have risks associated with any surgery if you're having your appendix out there's a certain percentage of people who don't even come through that surgery so there's not a hundred percent success rate with that so many people would just go into the the hospital and accept what the doctor says and and go under the knife without even thinking that there is some sort of risk to them. Exactly. And, and, you know, um, we've gotten, here's what's happened over the years. We've gotten so focused on the rules that we've forgotten the people. Yeah. I mean, think about it. The, the, the 12 steps is about, the, the rules, if you will, of, of the steps are to serve people. It's not to make people serve the rules. Judaism, the, the, the laws of Judaism, really, I mean, when I've studied it and been immersed in it, and this is not necessarily a popular idea amongst Jews, but I see it as all of this, all of these different ways of living are not to make people um, subservient, but really for the rules and for the ways of being to help the people live well, to serve us. Mm-hmm. And, and yet so many times we use it as control. That's why my book, 
finding recovery in yourself in Torah, what I do is I, I translate what the Bible says, the first five books of the Bible, what it says into a way of, of helping people live better. And, and Rabbi Heschel um, taught me, teaches me, even though he's dead, he still teaches me, um, that I have to find the right questions. That the purpose of, of, of religion, the purpose of faith, is to uncover the correct questions. And I would suggest too many of us have the right answers to the wrong questions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. When we were using, using was the right answer to how do I escape all of my inner fears. Right. It was a good it answer. For but a the while. question is, the better question, and the question that we had to had to start to respond to in in recovery, I believe, is how do I live with my own insecurities, with my own self-deception? How do I live with feelings that even though they may not be quote unquote right, I still feel them? How do I deal with the opposing parts of myself? That's what recovery does. Mm -hmm. That's what the steps do. That's what Judaism does. That's what Catholicism, Christianity does. Buddhism, all, all faiths really answer that question, but we don't ask that question when we're there. Right. Yeah, and then faiths or 12 steps or a program like that just shines a bright light on it. And, and then you can't escape if you're not using anymore. You're not going to be able to get away right. from that. You have to answer the question. Right. That's why. That's why. Uh, um, that's why. Even though people relapse, um, as soon as you start get get anywhere into recovery, it it just ruins it. It ruins the relapse. Even. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Now you 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 got onto your book, um, which I was going to ask you about. Is this a now these teachings? Are they daily readings? Um, yeah, it's one for every day okay. of the week. That works for them. It's based on the Jewish way of reading the the, the first five books, which is uh, um, a, a certain what they call a, a parsha or a portion of the the first five books each week we read. So I took it like that. I picked out seven different phrases and explained them and, and gave examples and made it real. My deal is relevance. If I can't find me in it, then I don't. Then it's irrelevant to me. So I showed how every text, uh, um, every, every, just just like the big mm -hmm. book. If you go through the big book, and you can't see yourself in every chapter, you're hiding from. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, well, I believe the same is true in the Bible. Yeah. At least the Old Testament. When I'm talking about the Bible, I'm talking about the Old Testament. Because to tell you the truth, I'm not a scholar on the New Testament. Right. So, so I'm, that's, that's what this book is about. It's about helping people use faith, use with eternal wisdom to um, ask themselves better questions and find better ways to live. Right. And it's, it's available for anyone of any faith, right? I mean, anyone yes. could pick that up yes. and... And learn from it. Yeah, actually, I've had some really beautiful um, notes from people who aren't Jewish, 
probably more good notes from people who aren't Jewish than the ones who are. <laughs> They're not so particular <laughs> about the details or whatever, right? Yeah, right. Well, that's awesome. I yeah, we'll um, we'll definitely have link to that book. I believe it's available on Amazon, so we'll put that on our Amazon, Barnes and Noble, yeah. All over yeah the place, all of so. Um, yeah, and the other thing is, you know, for, for the listeners, I, I just want them to know anytime, um, um, and I put, you, you can put up my information too uh, as a link, yeah, and anybody that wants to call me, because one of the things about our center is that we've, for 30 years, going on 30 years, next year will be the 30th year, we've always kept mission over money. So 70% of the people who come here don't pay. Uh, pay $500 or less per month. And we fundraise for about five, six million. We have to, and we keep doing it. And it's not just for Jews, as you said. And we, we, um, we keep doing it because we believe that every human being deserves the opportunity to, um, to find recovery. And, and if we make recovery into a money thing, then we've lost the spirit and the and the beauty and and the holiness of what recovery is mm-hmm. we're still being um what's the word we're, we're being selective and, and we're being um we're, we're still excluded right no way so i can't i can't exclude anybody because that's a prejudice and prejudice in any kind racism anti-semitism anti-catholicism uh, um uh, uh, Islamophobia, homophobia, all of that is an eye disease because I'm not seeing the human. So our basic premise is we have to see the human being in everyone, even if you don't know that you're human. My job is to see your humanity. Yeah, and I think there's something about uh, coming through recovery and wanting to help others in that path. I've seen so many people you know, get into this this field of recovery coaching or becoming a therapist or working in a center like yours. It, it, and it's never for the money. It's more for the personal uh, satisfaction of helping other people live a better life. Yeah, I mean, for me, what is is, is um, I, I think all, most of us, because you never say all or none, um, most of us get into this work because we want to give yeah. back. We want to serve. And my greatest joy is that I've been able to serve and I found a place and I belong and I've, I've helped other people belong to life. Yeah. And I'm so grateful to you for what you're doing. Well, thanks. To help all of us find ways to help uh, um, see people's humanity and raise up their humanity and, and really... Um, be innovative rather than the same old, same old. Yeah, I was going to ask you about what you think is, you know, important today, strategies you see working in the future, uh, you know, coming up now through your work, uh, if you have any insight on that, because just before the show, we were kind of talking about that a little bit, about how we need to be open to new things. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think that there's new ideas coming along, I think that we have to be careful um, in the new ideas to stay with this basic sense that you're a human being, I'm a human Mm -hmm. being. And when we can talk human to human, 
we find more uh, um, points of connection than we do points of, of, of disconnection. Yeah. And and so um, are there things that are going on that, that we need to help people through? Absolutely. Okay. I think the trauma work is really important. Um, but even trauma, I mean, nobody gets out of childhood without suffering trauma. Right. I mean, it just doesn't. You yeah. know what I mean? And we can't make ourselves the trauma. I know that there's a lot of new work in, in trauma therapy that says that's forward moving rather than continually going back through it. And so no matter what happens to me, I keep, I fall into the trap of PTSD. I do. Mm-hmm. And all of us have mm-hmm. it to a greater or lesser extent. Um, but the new work that I've seen is about forward facing that what's going on at this moment is it threatening my life if it's not threatening my life let me take a breath if i don't have to fight or flight if the reality is okay not my feeling about it but the reality so every time i bring myself into the present it's a lot different focusing on the past or worried about tomorrow Uh. So many people obsess over those two things. Right. So I, I have to, I have to um, use my past to use the wisdom of my past so I fail forward. Um, and use it so that today is good and I enhance tomorrow. But each day is a gift. So if I'm worried about yesterday or tomorrow, then I'm I'm not appreciating the gift. And I learned this from somebody. I just want to end with this. Free is just that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Something's free. It's just, you know, take it or leave it. A gift carries with it responsibility and obligation. Mm-hmm. So you took the gift of your sobriety. And you take the gift of your sobriety, your recovery. And you're responsible by doing this radio show. I'm responsible by doing what I do with with, with the people here at Beitruba and people across the country. And so when we see life as a gift and we see today as a gift, we live a more responsible and joyous life. Mm, I like that. Yeah, and it is a gift. Every day is a gift. And uh, the more we appreciate it, the more we'll make of it. Absolutely. Uh, great. Um, Rabbi Mark, it's been fascinating talking with you and learning about your center and your book and everything you do. Can you tell us real quickly how we can find out more about you, your center, your, do you have a website? And I'll put this all in the show yes. notes, but just so people would know where to look if they're online. Yeah, I have my own private website, Rabbi Mark at RabbiMark.com. Or, or RabbiMark.com. Okay, RabbiMark.com. Yeah. Okay. And then Beit Teshuvah, B-E-I-T-T-S-H-U-V-A-H.org. Okay. Thanks so much for everything Thank you, you do, and thanks for joining me. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for what you're doing. God bless. Take care. Okay. Bye. Bye now. 
Wow, what a great interview. I hope you got some golden nuggets out of that conversation because I know I certainly did. And thanks again for listening. And please, if you haven't already, go over to iTunes or your favorite podcast service and subscribe. Leave us a review. Let me know how I'm doing. I really want to know. Also, head on over to Facebook and join our Recovery Innovators group. It's a free, closed group where you can get your questions answered. You can get accountability if you need it. And maybe you can help provide some support for those in need. We all need a little help from time to time. You can learn more on my website at recoveryinnovatorsradio.com or my Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash recoveryinnovators. And just send me a request to join and I'll get you all hooked up. You can also get my free report if you haven't already. Three huge mistakes almost everyone makes when they try to quit drinking or doing drugs that cause them to struggle with cravings and relapse and how to avoid these forever. And lastly... Please feel free to send me an email if you have any questions or thoughts. My email address is james at recoveryinnovators.com, and I personally take the time to read every one I get and respond as soon as I can. I can't wait to hear from you. Thanks for listening. You can learn more at recoveryinnovatorsradio.com.